0: Welcome to the Fiction Hollocks, where two thriller authors reverse-engineer thrillers from current events, review movies they like, and play the Conspiracy Game, a game show about oddball conspiracies and why North Dakota doesn't exist. Your first host is TJ McKay. He's the author of the financial thriller Lucky Links, which is now available on Amazon. He'll show you who really runs the world, and it ain't pretty. Your second host is Michael Angel. He's the author of the Plague Walker Medical Series, which is also available on Amazon. When it comes to microscopic bugs that can kill you, he's your man. We're going to start off with the first segment of our show, where two authors reverse engineer thrillers from current events.
1: All right, welcome to our 10th and final show for the season. And I want to begin by saying thank you for listening to us and going all the way through. We appreciate that. It feels like a bit of an accomplishment, a bit of a milestone. Wouldn't you say that, Mr. McKay?
2: First of all, Mr. Michael and, the, and our audience, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the first season of Fiction holics. You know, what I do want to say is when you come to these, to these endings, to where the sun sets, the moon comes up, the wolves howl, the babies sleep, the wine pours, a few things take place. You start to wonder... Did I do it right? Am I doing it right? Can we do better? What I have concluded upon deliberate thought, many sleepless nights pondering over the question, is the answer is absolutely 1000% yes. We really did not do that much. Frankly, we owe you a lot more. So I want to actually not thank you, I want to apologize uh, to you inform you that we will be getting you to episode 100 with significantly greater quality delivered in each episode. More introspection, more insight, more laughs, more uh, writing tidbits. Mr. Uh, Michael, will you join me on this apology tour to our audience about how absolutely insufferable uh, we've been through these now going on 10 episodes.
1: Well, I, I I did get an email from one of our listeners recently that said that they felt that we should pay them to listen. So maybe maybe you're on to something here.
2: Wow. So basically what you're saying is like the federal bank rates have translated into podcasts, right? Where the negative interest rates are basically paying us? Well, that's part of it. The other, the other email I got this
1: last week was at least from... I think it was from... the, the is, is the DIA one of the real government agencies? They basically wanted us to put more clues as to where we are so they can find us.
2: So I think that is the uh, agency of the Grim Reaper, the dead in action. So essentially we're all lying in the cemetery. And that is essentially where you could find us after the amount of people that we have royally offended, pissed off, put in prison with the different secrets that we have let out uh, with the tidbits and information that we have shared and helped out the the Department of Homeland Security, unintentionally, mind you, if you will, because, of course, the deal that I cut, I'm not sure about Mr. Michael, was that my sentence was going to be reduced from 75 years to 35. So I have a slight chance of being, I guess, kind of alive. Uh, Definitely not fertile, but certainly enough to possibly still walk and cough and certainly not make love to a woman by the time that I'm released from prison. Uh, now, Mr. Michael, on the other hand, you know, I I mean, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think he's like kind of like the El Chapo of the crew. And I, he I, might think, have a I think
1: between the two of us, I think I'm more of the uh, go out in a blaze of glory kind of, hey, come and meet my lethal friend.
2: Episode 10 is uh, basically our blaze of glory where we are going to be going out here. Well, let me tell you, uh, let me tell you what we are going
1: to be going out with, which yeah. is we have got stories involving transformation now. We have got lizards. We've got lizard kings. We've got Hollywood stars. We've got really really big people to discuss tonight, okay? <laughs> we are podcasting through this thing. Well, let's start off here. Let's talk about something. Now, we're de- we're going back a bit in time again. I'm sorry. You can be on our times here. Going back to the 60s, the swinging psychedelic 60s, all right? Now, those of you who may not know this, but The lead singer of the band The Doors, which is one of the classic rock and roll bands, Jim Morrison, was also known as the Lizard King. Now, the Lizard King here, it is theorized that he faked his own death. That he faked his death. He went off to Paris. I believe actually part of it was because he was under, under, uh, there was a warrant out for his arrest for various drug-related offenses, which is why he was over in Europe to begin with. And supposedly he faked his own death. So let me ask you, Mr. McKay, what are your thoughts about turning this into a thriller? Because here's the deal. We know that there's been theories for decades involving Elvis faking his own death, going to live somewhere where he'd get away from fame. My personal favorite theories is that he was kidnapped by aliens or something, or that he was an alien, and he went back to Venus to live with them, because I think that'd be, uh, that'd be really kind of cool, because Elvis has literally left the planet. Not just left the building, left the planet. What about Jim Morrison? What do you think?
2: Well, first of all, I would not uh, picture Elvis in such a cold climate. Uh, Florida was more my thinking, particularly the Keys.
1: Maybe North Dakota.
2: I like where you're going with this. Perhaps we'll talk later. Um, So, great thing about Jim Morrison, Baby Let My Fire, is Jim Morrison was Tupac before Tupac. I mean, Jim Morrison, the Lizard King, he meant everything. And he opened all the doors that there were. And what I like about Jim Morrison is essentially when you become the Lizard King and you still are not content with your life, when you are, as David Icke puts it, the dominant race that controls all of humanity, <laughs> there really are is these the, no... Are these the
1: guys that eat the kale chips?
2: Yeah, we're getting there. Okay. There really is nowhere to go. There, like, there's no more up, I'm sorry, but if you are in a selected race of lizard people... And you control literally everything. You dominate everything. You can get away with anything. And you are a multinational, global rock star in the 60s. There's no more up. You know, you're Tupac before Tupac. What I was thinking is, there's really nothing else to write here. Only way I could see this possibly turning into an interesting thriller... (coughs) And, you know, typically I come up with three ideas, but this is so limited because, like I said, these people are just so unique. I mean, if I was a lizard person, I would just fully embrace and dominate. But, you know, Jim Morrison had to make a statement. Stealing all the cookies in the cookie jar, you have stole nine out of the ten that are there, and you suddenly scream, cry wolf and that tenth cookie. Like, why the hell would you do that? Uh, I would create, essentially, a mini-series. Let's call it a trilogy, you know, maybe two books. Where he essentially had the equivalent of like a vampire hunter, but instead, what he's doing is he's looking for people that faked their own death. Hunters, however, that terminology can be created, and you know, basically, the first story story would be would be uh, Elvis. Then it would be Jimmy Hoffa. Then it would be Kirk Cobain. Then it would be Tupac. Then it would be Biggie Smalls, and essentially finding out where all these people who we know for a fact faked their own death are living right now. You know, I mean, I think that that would be. A good story. I think it'd be a very, good, yeah. be a
1: very good story. And I love yeah. the Lizard King angle to it because I've yeah. always felt if there was any rock star no. that could be one of the lizard people, mm-hmm. it's Jim Morrison. And that's for two reasons. Number one, and this is true by the way, this is there is a pot there's a series on YouTube. You should you should look it up or we'll watch it sometime, uh, about the nature of creativity. That creativity is very often a form of copying what came before, adding a new element to it and transforming it. Mm. Right? And they talk about if you look in the history of almost every major rock band, they started off doing cover songs of right. somebody else, Right. with one exception, The Doors. Mm. The Doors don't sound like anybody else. They never did a cover song of anybody else. Everybody. They really
2: don't. Yeah, it's interesting. And
1: so the theory is, I have, is that the reason they didn't is, well, they were bringing their own alien music to us and see what it's like. Here's part two of that. If anybody's going to be a lizard king, you got to get away with it. Because, you know, you can eat all the kale you want, do all the drugs you want and all that, But you have to remain undercover. However, it'd be the easiest thing to be undercover if you were Jim Morrison. Let me explain why. This is true, by the way. I think it was 1968. It was on a concert in Florida, okay? Morrison got arrested for indecent exposure, supposedly because he got into one of his rants, he had too much drugs, and he exposed himself, just unzipped and exposed himself to everybody in in the audience. There were like 3,000 people there, and not one of them, not one, can verify this because they were so stoned out of their minds, they didn't notice that the lead singer decided to expose himself to them. So that tells me he picked an audience where he could kind of get away. If the mask slipped, you saw some green scales, no big deal, I was on LSD, I was tripping balls. You could go with that. So I would say if anybody could be a lizard person, it would be Jim Morrison. You could build it around his mythical mythology about how he was hiding it and how easy it was because all of his audience were on drugs.
2: I mean, I would say that there is a reason why marijuana is the drug of the masses, and it essentially was so Jim Morrison can pull this off. Yes. Yeah. I, think, I think there's something to that. Now, on a related note,
1: since we're talking about lizard people here, I have to go into our next thing here, which might have to be more fertile territory for your fertile mind, something you can plow under. Justin Bieber, all right? I am not a Justin Bieber hater, nor am I a fan. I don't really know much about him. I know more him more through his tantrums and things in the press than I do his music, okay? But there is a persistent rumor that hundreds of fans have seen Bieber transform into a lizard on stage at one of the things. Now, I don't know too much about Bieber's audience, but I'm willing to bet there's fewer druggies in it than there were in Jim Morrison's time. I'm willing to bet there are more people who are not stoned or tripping balls, and they saw something. What could be going on here? Could this actually be some weird fetishy thing going on that, that, that Bieber's trying to hide? He's actually wearing a lizard suit uh, you know over on top of his human nature? Or could he be actually a lizard person who's dressed as a human being and trying to get more fans through his music? And if so, why? What what purpose do the lizard people does this serve? Does this help the lizard people out?
2: From escaping a reptile to becoming one. A reverse. Of the prehistoric age. All right. Jurassic Park, Benjamin Button style. Ooh,
1: all right. This I got to hear.
2: As Mr. David Icke, our favorite colleague of Mr. Alex Jones, puts it, the Anunnaki were the lizard people, the lizard race that controlled the world. From the Rothschilds, to the bankers, to the Hollywood elites, to the media, to the pro athletes, to the Bushes, to the Thatchers, to the Clintons. They're all lizard people behind the Freemasons, the Illuminati. So would it genuinely surprise you that a one Canadian who lives in Atlanta with blonde hair and talks like just an innocent, peanut-butter-scouring little boy would be among these people? I would say no. And it is one of the true terrors In our society. So the question becomes, how do we stop Justin Bieber, the next Lizard King?
1: Can we stop Justin Bieber, the next Lizard King?
2: Well, considering the fact that Tupac and Biggie Smalls have both faked their deaths, I would say no, because they had all the guns. Yeah. So how are we going to take out Bieber if they had what we need to take him out?
1: Well, just so you know, folks, we don't advocate violence even against lizard people. So if we were writing this, we'd create a fictional pop star called Bustin' g or something like that.
2: Well, Bustin' g and the way that we can stop him is very, very easy. Let's hear it. We sell him his $65 million Beverly Hills mansion. But along with that, as he walks in at 3 in the morning coming back from one of his palatial parties, he opens the fridge. And the Russians, along with us, sell us the recording that Bieber is secretly placing all
1: Where are you going with? It? I got a telescope to placing, follow this.
2: Placing all of his pictures of all the models that he's been with inside of the borscht in this <sighs> fridge.
1: Well that would explain why the borscht would taste so interesting. Here's another idea for you, Mm -hmm. for the ending on that one. How would you stop him? Once you have that evidence of what he's doing with the borscht, you go online, you hack into his thermostat, because what are all reptiles all allergic to? The cold. Oh. You set that thermostat down to 50, okay? Bar the doors. Use the home security system to bar the doors so he can't get out. He's going to have bulletproof glass, so he can't take a chair and break out that way. And yeah, it'll freak out his groupies and the maids and everything in there, but eventually he's going to fall unconscious, and you can just come collect him at that point.
2: Or if you want to do it even quicker, you throw the reptiles into Bieber's fridge, and they could die within a few minutes because it's, you know, 35 degrees Fahrenheit. If you get even luckier, one of them would eat your two-week-old cheese dip that your wife has been monitoring you, you know, kind of grazing at the whole time. And in that first bite, they would... You're they talking would, about that semi-sentient
1: cheese dip that you, yeah. you were talking about last yeah. episode. We yeah. feed it to them, and that would take them down, maybe, or at least mutate something. That
2: would take them down. So if you ever leave cheese dip in the fridge for a little bit longer than you want, just know that it, that that one of these evil lizard people will come try to kill you, and it, and the cheese dip might be what saves your life.
1: Rotten food definitely is one of those secret hidden weapons, very underutilized in fiction, I must say.
0: All right, the next segment of the show, we're going to talk about a thriller movie or a book that these guys liked. Or maybe one of them liked it, one of them hated it. Maybe they both hated it. Or they even both hated liking it. You, you never know. But you get the idea. Take it away, guys.
1: Let's talk a little bit about thriller books. we talked the last couple episodes about series on Netflix and Amazon and all the rest. Now, we're both busy writers and... Mr. McKay is busy getting thrown out of movie theaters and avoiding his wife's wrath for cheese dip. I have a busy meth habit on the side. It's difficult to squeeze books in. let's be honest. but let's talk a bit about some of our favorite thrillers. They don't have to be they don't have to be current day. It could be relatively recent, could be an older classic but on the book front, what have you read, Mr. McKay, that you would recommend to our readers of recently in the thriller
2: genre? Blake Crouch, who happens to be the author of the Wayward Pine series, which I'm sure many of you have heard of. He also wrote, in the past few years, a fantastic thriller by the name of Dark Matter, which is absolutely, mind-blowingly fantastic. The book I'm going to talk about today is his most recent publication, and that is Recursion. I don't even know what to say. It's kind of like I had the cheese dip, I was munching on it, and I just decided to basically dump it all in my head because I fell off the edge of my couch, and I just didn't know what to do with myself.
1: That explains the extra bandages you're wearing today.
2: Yeah, exactly. Upon my reparative stem cells that I injected into my body. I mean, look, you guys can all um, sympathize, right? We've all been getting a lot of injections lately. Um, Anyway.
1: I'm not touching that one with a 10-foot pole.
2: Back to Mr. Krause. Recursion, essentially, is about the concept of false memory syndrome. and It's essentially a uh, fictional condition that's based upon the concept of memory readdressment. Being able to travel into your past and relive memories uh, over and over again that are the most fond to you. Now, what's interesting is that HBO just did a movie... On this same concept with Hugh Jackman and the absolutely beautiful uh, woman who was in Westworld, who I forget what her name is. And by the way, my my wife is going to hear this, and I'm going to be in the uh, doghouse dunked in my my three-week-old cheese dip. Back to recursion. It's a time loop where human beings have the ability to travel back in time and relive their most fond memories. But what happens is they do not understand that it creates a pierce in spatial time recognition. Because even though you're not essentially time-traveling, your memory, your, your brain is recognizing it essentially as a separate memory for the same time currents. So what this does is it creates what's called false memory syndrome. When you have brain overlap, Everybody in society can't make sense of what's going on. So when this technology catches up, everyone becomes psychotic. And it just leads to this sequence of events that's utterly fascinating. And only an author like Blake Crouch can master. Just the same way that he did in Dark Matter. If you are a fan of the Christopher Nolan films, you will love Crouch's writing.
1: Are you saying there's Um, an Inception-like vibe going on in this? That's what I'm hearing.
2: Without question. And it it is so deep and so compelling, and so gripping, so complex, with different moving pieces, and they all fit together eventually, and it is a true page turner light, there is none other. I wish one day I could become the writer that Blake Crouch is. My recommendation would be Recursion uh, by Blake Crouch. How about you, Mr. Angel?
1: That book sounds really fascinating. I just admit, the book that I have in mind that I really enjoyed recently, probably a lot more simple and straightforward than that one, less cerebral, but nonetheless, a hell of a ride. The one I'm talking about is, I believe it's Douglas Preston. If you don't find it under there, look it up under David Preston. I'm pretty sure it's Douglas Preston. He wrote a thriller called Riptide. I am sure about the title. It's Riptide. It actually delves into or gives a possible solution for a mystery that I've always kind of enjoyed close to my heart, which is the mystery of Oak Island. Oh! Yeah, so you may remember there's a Mm miniseries about that. I think Mm -hmm. it's on Netflix now, Mm -hmm. but it's gone on for several seasons. It is an island that is just off the coast of Canada, in the Atlantic, and there's been lots and lots of rumors as to what kind of might be lying at the bottom of one of the pits on the island. Treasures from pirates, it could be something from the Illuminati, there's a lot of things talking about the Knights Templar, things like that. Well, in this one, you actually have involved the person who owned a book that potentially points the way to which is the right pit and how to get down there. You have a multi-billion dollar consortium bringing together some of the best technology to actually locate the thing and drill down into it and excavate it so they can find whatever it is. And what they find is actually pretty darn cool. There's some interesting twists and turns, mostly that the pit involved is not just a pit, but it's in a sense an upside down cathedral, which is designed to be just one large booby trap. And the main character got caught in one of those exploring a cave on the island with his brother And his brother got caught in it and got killed. And ever since then, he's had a bit of an obsession, but also a fear he has to conquer to go back there. And it's really cool having to go in, you see people get caught by some of the traps, figure out how this whole system works in order to get to the prize, which is up below. And they actually come up with a pretty good, interesting thing that actually does make sense in the context of the story, including the fact, and I believe this is fictional, Blackbeard or whoever, some of the people who were there who constructed this thing, didn't execute people They all died horribly on the island from a specific cause that I will not mention to not spoil the book. And that's why the secret never got out. It's like it all died there due to the thing they put in the pit.
2: If I had to guess, that would probably explain the black sand on Cape Hatteras Island. If any of you have been to Cape Hatteras, which of course was where the legend of Blackbeard took place in North Carolina, Mm -hmm. you'll see that it actually is black sand. And I love Cape Hatteras. One of my uncles actually had a summer home there, and we used to visit there uh, growing up. I do love I love the North Carolina coast. I would have to imagine that that's what Michael was talking about. So I could have very well spoiled the story.
1: No, you didn't spoil it. Try okay, good. That. Thank God. you. You okay, didn't spoil good. the story, good. but it's cool. Yeah. Anyway, highly recommend yeah. it. Check it out when you get yeah. a chance.
0: Hey, you still listening? That's good, because now you're in for a treat. Because next up is the conspiracy game. I'm your host, James Manganello. I'll be awarding the value of their statements on a scale of one to five Rothschilds. Whoever has the most points at the end of the evening gets bragging rights and a warm case of Schlitz. Gentlemen, inhale those jet chemtrails trails and get out your flat earth maps because it's conspiracy time.
1: All right, I have a theory I wanted to run by you here, which is that where is the final resting place of the Ark of the Covenant? And this could apply to Noah's Ark. This could apply to the... Christ's chalice, you know, the, the the Holy Grail, it could be tied to a lot of different things. But I'm going to go with the Ark of the Covenant here. I believe that Mr. Spielberg gave us a pretty good hint as to where it's located in his original feature, Raiders of the Lost Ark, which for those of you who may remember, seeing in your classic films, because it'd be a classic film now, mm-hmm. at the end, they carted away into some government facility where it's lost among all these boxes. So I got to thinking, you could still in theory stumble over this thing by the way, yes, I know we do stumble over it in uh, New Mexico in the fourth Indiana Jones flick, the, the one with the crystal skull. We don't talk about that movie here. We ignore it.
0: I'm giving you two Rothschilds for that. That's
2: almost like the Macbeth of cinema. Oh,
0: God. Ugh.
1: I think I know where they hit Although
0: him.
2: Although I will say I did like the part when he hid himself in the freezer when the nuclear bomb went off. That was genius. <laughs> anyway. The,
1: I give him credit. That one scene... Created a brand new term. It's called nuking the fridge. Remember, it used to be jumping the shark? It's called nuking the fridge. Yeah! There comes a point where there's something that's so ridiculous, either people accept it or they check out at that point and go, Yeah, I'm watching this, it's just a flick, but I'm not involved in this anymore because this is insane.
2: The the two coolest buy secrets I've learned by watching film and television over the years one was The Crystal Skull, well, Macbeth in the cinema. When Indiana Jones hit himself in the fridge, Uh, I will know next time when we get nuked. And the second was in the the series Burn Notice, a fantastic spy thriller series, USA. Michael's like, what are you getting on here to, Mr. McKay? I'm getting on to the fact that I learned that if you ever are surrounded by hostiles in a home, the way to make a homemade bomb essentially is to go in the microwave and unload your toolbox. If you unload hammers, nails, and a bunch of metal uh, particles uh, and components, what happens is then you put it on 30 seconds. That will blow up become become a homemade bomb. Next time you have uh, 46 guys with AK-47s and different weapons around your house. Hey,
1: it happens, folks.
2: Dump it in your microwave. Yeah, put your toolbox in your microwave, put it on 35 seconds. Go to the couch, maybe, and then yeah. Gotta be
1: a good couch. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, none of this <laughs> and IKEA couch crap. Yeah, no, yeah. you need a real couch. kind yeah. to hide from this. Yeah, so, I would say that where the ark is located, if the government is hidden it somewhere, they've hidden it in North Dakota. Now, think about it. We've talked about this. North Dakota does not exist. We've agreed with that. That North Dakota is just a fictional creation, partially to make South Dakota look good. But the other part is, it's like, the, it's like Area 51, but it's the size of a state. Because nobody lives there. It's, an, it's a fictional state of mind. Wherever this is located, you know it's got to be bleak and desolate and distant because it's North Dakota. That's where it's hidden.
2: Ooh, good point. Four Rothschilds for you. Michael, have I ever told you that I have been possessed with the powers of the Oracle to forecast exactly Where the arc is extended to. Let me tune to both sides of my cerebellum. And I will forecast here and talk to my higher higher powers. I am looking right now to see exactly where the arc is extended to. Hi Joan, how are you? And, oh wow, I see a land. A very, very flat land. Oh wow, it looks so cold. Oh, I see a few dairy farms, if you will. Oh, what do you know? You weren't so blessed enough to get the Rushmore there for tourism dollars. Taking a look even further, oh yeah, it's still flat and still covered with snow in July with a little bit of cheese and nothing else. And I'm taking a look even further and further. Let me move to my crystal ball. I'm taking a look. Oh, I see about 4,500 Scandinavian blooded mostly people scattered apart who won't talk to anybody else. Oh, let me go see what they have to say. Oh, wow. They won't be so neighborly to me because they won't say a goddamn thing to anyone. Michael, you know what? I agree with you. I believe it's North Dakota.
0: <laughs> I think you just blew my mind. <laughs> Nicely done. Please take all five Rothschilds for that one.
1: Well, you know what? I, I didn't know about the Oracle powers, but now I just want to know one thing and leave the arc out of it. Can you let me know what the numbers are for the next Powerball lotto? I could really use that information.
2: Michael, how do you think that I fuel my wine and your meth habit? It's because I am in charge of these numbers, okay? (laughs) You see, folks, if I put somebody like Michael Angel, who is a fantastic storyteller and writer, in charge of my Powerball numbers, there might not be in the next podcast. And it very well will not be a continuation of Michael's meth habit. I'm trying to decide if that would be a good or a bad thing.
0: A quick check of our sticky notes. It looks like Michael Angel brought in the most Rothschilds tonight. Congratulations, Michael. You win a warm case of Schlitz, flown in fresh from our warehouse in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. That's all for tonight, and thanks for listening to the Fiction Horlocks. DJ McKay is the author of the financial thriller Lucky Links, which is now available on Amazon. Michael Angel is the author of the Plague Walker Medical Thriller series, which is also available on Amazon. This most excellent narration was done by me, James Manganello, And you can find more of my voiceover work at iRefuseToQuit.Potomatic.com. Oh, and if you have a question and you've always wondered about something or not-quite-tame conspiracy theory that you'd like us to discuss, please drop us a line at thefictionholics at gmail.com.